Hey, Eagles fans, this is Chris Franklin from NJ Vance Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we'll discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. Before we begin, I want to remind you guys that you can read our content on NJ.com slash Eagles, and make sure to bookmark that to get the latest Eagles news and analysis. You can also subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Extra Insider Tech service, and through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. Today, I'm once again joined by No Huddle Show co-host Les Bowen. On this episode, we're going to talk about the Eagles moving to 5-0 and after squeaking by the Arizona Cardinals. We're also going to talk about the Eagles' injury situation, the state of the Eagles' special teams, and the upcoming NFC East test they will face Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. But first off, Les, how's it going? I am just peachy today, uh, Chris. It's uh, going great. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, you know, we had a chance to fly out there to Arizona and, and witness that game. And boy, man, it's, it, it seemed like it was going to be a uh, <laughs> it was a little rough going or going towards that game. And it looked like it was they had to squeak out another win this time, uh, had to do it off of a field goal miss by Arizona. You know, the Eagles relied on the 23 yard field goal from Cameron Dicker. Now, Les, I just want to get over your overall thoughts of Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Well, they started out great, obviously, with that 14-0 lead, and then it became probably their worst, I would say not even probably, definitely their worst game of the season overall. Uh, The defense, even though it only allowed 17 points, went back into that 2021 mode of, you know, just playing to stop the big play and getting gashed by the run game, getting thrown on underneath. Uh, It wasn't getting a lot of pass rush pressure. Uh, they had one sack. Hassan Reddick got the only sack, former Cardinal Hassan Reddick. Um, offensively, it got really frustrating, especially after the 14-0 lead. They used screens to great effect early on and then kept using them and kept using them and kept using them and kept using them and kept using them, kept using them long after they had been totally figured out. And uh, Nick Sirianni said or indicated, I guess, that a lot of those or some of those were uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, his blitz reads, you know, that he could, that was his, basically his hot read was the screen. I think somebody should have adjusted that if that were the case, because it just wasn't doing anything. Uh, On the last drive where the Eagles went down the field, 17 plays uh, to run off on almost eight minutes and and hit that field goal that gave them the lead for good. The only negative play on that drive was a screen pass. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 so it was, uh, it was frustrating, and we haven't even gotten to special teams, which were a category unto themselves once again, and is uh, something I'm afraid is really going to bite the Eagles eventually, but we'll talk about that too. But, yeah, overall, you know, they won. They won because the other team missed a makeable field goal. Um, you know, it the, the drive uh, to get those three points was really nice, really solid, especially after what had been happening most of the second half. Uh, but I, you know, I was unimpressed. And I think uh, if you continue to play this way, you're going to lose pretty soon, maybe this week to Dallas. 
Yeah, you're right. And, I, you know, we were talking about that missed field goal by Amendola from the Cardinals. Wouldn't it be funny if all of a sudden the Cardinals uh, waved him and signed Cameron Dicker off the practice squad and just added him because you know he can kick, make a pressure kick? <laughs> it's, it's funny. But looking at overall the way that – you were right. You mentioned the wide receiver screens and, and they were doing the quick screens. They were able to do it. It really looked like when it came to the Cardinals and what they were playing and, and that sort of amoeba look where you don't know where guys are lined up, it looked like – they just instructed Hurts to go, okay, There's if there's six or less fewer guys in the box, okay, then we're just going to run the ball. Well, the Cardinals know how well the Eagles can run the ball, so they're putting seven, eight guys in the box, and they were trying to settle for those wide receiver screens, but they adjusted to it. You didn't see the adjustments coming off of that, and I really wish they would fake the screen and try something up top just to loosen some yes. pressure off, and that never happened. That never manifested itself. Yeah, it's funny and, how they were able to hit that 16-yard pass down the seam to Goddard on third and 12 in a critical late-game situation, but yet that wasn't available to them on any of those previous drives, apparently. Uh, you just wonder if it was, and they just didn't feel, you know, didn't try it. I, I don't know. I'm not that big a an, a, an X and O analyst, but uh, it sure looked like, uh, like you said, like they – could have tried throwing the ball down the field a little bit. Yeah, you're right. And then also when you look at toward that fourth quarter, I really thought that the Cardinals, you know, everybody saw that they do the no huddle, no huddle type offense, the air raid style. And you saw how it started to wear down the defenders. And I thought the one area where it started to really wear down was the secondary because you see so many times where they – move in and out defensive linemen and linebackers. They can do that. Well, when you have guys like Darius Slade, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Bradbury, Epps, they played every defensive snap in that game. And the fact that they were on the field and they can't, they have to run all the way back and forth and, and still do it, I thought, Warren, you started seeing the tackling. And, they, and if it wasn't for Kyler Murray sliding late, I think this we're, we're probably talking a different game, probably talking about an overtime game at the very least. Oh, yeah, but there's no doubt about it. it. Uh, Murray slid down a yard short of the first down marker, didn't realize he had done that. I was just watching the All-22 uh, version of uh, – I was kind of watching that inadvertently because I wanted to see the field goal, and I got that play before the field goal, and they show the scoreboard, which we both saw, said second and and one or something. <laughs> you know, it was – the scoreboard was off. Murray said he thought he got the first down. I don't think anybody on the Cardinals knew that it was third down and we spiked the ball, it would be fourth down. And, uh, you know, because they all were sort of standing around, sort of looking at each other, and then they ran off the field. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know that – Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that after the game, and he said, indeed, he thought, uh, you know, he did not know it was fourth down until it was fourth, yeah, until it was apparent that that was the case. So that's a heck of a thing. If that happened in Philly, that would be like uh, Rich Kotite's chart, you know. That would be uh, <laughs> something people would talk about for 30 years. But in Arizona, they've had a lot of ups and downs over the years, is one polite way to put it. And, uh, you know, I think that will probably just be folded into – number of odd things that have happened there. They haven't won a game there at home in a year, uh, even though they're a pretty decent team. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, Murray sliding down really helped decide the game because it made it a long field goal kind of for a sub kicker. And then the Eagles got good push. And we still don't know if Bill Williams got a finger on that kick or not. I don't I don't know that he did. I it just looked like to me, I, I was surprised it came, the way it looked off the kicker's foot, 
I don't maybe I don't know if you agree or not. I thought it was going to go way wide. It ended up kind of ticking off the just barely ticking off the right side of the right upright having come back toward the upright a little, but uh, it just didn't look like a good kick off of his foot, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're right, because when the way the angle it was taken, it, it was starting to slice a little right, and then my, the way that Williams's hand was going up and everything, it looked like if it was going to be tipped, it probably would have been short, and then it would it would have fallen a lot, right. Fall, right, like somewhere in the end zone or something like that, for that's why to wake up for foot. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. When you see guys like him and Jordan Davis coming up the middle of that, that that line, yeah, you're going to start to think like, okay, I got to get either higher or I got to get it out quickly because I don't want the kick to be blocked. But so I think that, I think they had a, a lot to do that. But putting a bow on, on this game overall, I mean, the Eagles uh, found a way to win over in, in in this game. I think you look at the fact that I, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, when you look at the Cardinals, I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the wild card teams that are still going to be back there, especially when they get DeAndre Hopkins back because you can see what this office was able to do. With all those pieces, you add him. Now it starts to make a little sense with Rondell Moore, Ertz, and Emmer, and Murray probably looks a lot better. So don't be surprised if who knows maybe in uh in January we're see, we're seeing the Cardinals here for a game game or two or something like that. So who that's knows? a very that good point crazy. about getting Hopkins back because they really do have a lot of really fast physical players. I'm not sure about Kingsbury, but uh, you know they they can give you some problems and. Uh, it wasn't just the Eagles being slack. I mean, I think the uh, the Cardinals definitely contributed a lot to that, uh, you know, making it a, a much better game than I thought it would be. Frankly, I thought this would be a reasonably comfortable win. It certainly was not. Yeah, there's a, they're going to be a tough team for Aaron Alton, especially in that tough NFC West. Now, we're going into some of these injuries. The Eagles had to use Dicker because Jake Elliott had his own ankle injury, so they had to elevate Dicker up from the practice squad. The team was also without Jordan Maialata, who was a Saturday, uh, basically on the day before the game, he was uh, ruled out. He was doubtful on that Friday. He, he popped out. We talked to him and he said he popped, his shoulder popped out. So now we're going to be on Maialata watch again for this week to see if he's ready to go play against the Cowboys. You also are waiting back to see cornerback Avante Maddox. Maddox is dealing with his own ankle sprain that he's causing to miss the last two games. And then you still have Boston Scott with the rib and Patrick Johnson with the uh, concussion. So, Les, when I ask you, besides Maialata, because we all know the left tackle position is rough, what do you think – is what do you think the impact of Maddox not being on this on this roster right now, and how is it affecting this defense? I don't know. I uh, Jonathan Gannon today really sang the praises of Josiah Scott, who played uh, in Maddox's place Sunday. I couldn't really tell whether Jos- Josiah Scott did a good job or a bad job, um, but I certainly think it would be great to have Maddox back this week. And as you said. The key guy is Maialata. It's, uh, you know, it, they go into this game with Jack Driscoll, I think they're going to have a lot of problems, given the, the Cowboys' strong defensive front and Micah Parsons. Uh, that's a huge mismatch. Uh, Driscoll is a very good utility kind of guy that you can bring in and, and get some snaps, you know, here and there at almost any position. Uh, but he is not going to, you know, stand up for four quarters against Dallas uh, without serious trouble. Um, he gave up a sack Sunday to J.J. Watt. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, in fact, he had a terrible pass uh, protection grade from Pro Football Focus. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I, I think Maddox is important. I think Mylotta is more important. And I would say after that, Elliot is pretty important. It was great that Cameron Dicker hit that field goal, but you don't really want, you know, Elliot's a Pro Bowl kicker. You want to play against a good team, which the Cowboys certainly are. You want your Pro Bowl kicker, not the guy that you signed off the street. You know, so uh, so we'll see. Uh, we don't have any idea yet. It's being Tuesday, what the practice situation is going to be for these guys. And uh, given the Eagles' penchant for secrecy and that these are not long-term injuries, as far as we know, we probably won't know, you know, before Friday at the earliest whether all these guys are going to play, but. They, they need as many guys back as they can get this week, I would say. Yeah, they definitely do. And you mentioned the Mylotta thing. I mean, Micah Parsons, when you look at the Cowboys, he lines up usually on the left side, which means he'd be facing Lane Johnson. Well, with the way Lane Johnson is protecting right now, not giving up a sex 20 Yeah, I'll take that. You know, yeah. I, I just think they'll to move it. They, they certainly can and should, yeah. I think. Yeah, and and they they did that even last uh, I believe the, the last game the last year against the Eagles they they lined them up thirty four times on the right on the right side you know and in twenty one of those came against the Eagles in week three and we all know what happened in week three so they won't be afraid to shift them around and if it's going to be best for the Eagles if they have my lot because the way that Driscoll stands up he looked better in the sense that he looked a little bit more comfortable and not not being thrown in there but he's still susceptible to that that bull rush and. He's a good-sized guy who's smart, but he's not, you know, he wasn't a high draft pick, and he's not a starting guy, and there's a reason why. is He's not especially strong, and he's not especially fast. He's just solid, and, you know, he doesn't make big mistakes, but, you know, he's not uh, – He's definitely not Jordan Mylotta, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, uh, one area of this team that the Eagles are going to have to do well when it comes to playing on Sunday is special teams. And we looked at what happened against the Cardinals. They gave up a, a fake punt right before the second quarter, uh, second quarter, right before halftime, that allowed the Cardinals to stay alive and, and drive down the field. And this is not the first time we've seen a miscue from the special teams. We, we, we've seen block kicks. The, the return game hasn't been as explosive as you've seen around some other teams in the league. Les, what are you thinking about this unit? What, what can be done and what's going on? You know, it's uh, it's kind of a mystery to me, frankly, uh, Chris. It's I was looking today at uh, DVOA, uh, defense-adjusted uh, over-average uh, for the for the whole team, the Eagles ranked second in the league, and they ranked fifth offensively and fifth defensively. Uh, and then you look at special teams, and they rank twenty sixth. So something is really wrong there. And I, when I wrote about this a few weeks ago, I wanted to give Michael Clay, the, the special teams coordinator, the benefit of the doubt. And I talked about how, you know, they say that it has a lot to do with veteran players. Sometimes you give your special teams coordinator two or three or four roster spots for guys that aren't really very good, you know, linebackers or tight ends or whatever, but they're great special teams players. And suddenly you have good special teams. Uh, The Eagles really haven't done that, but. I don't think we could ignore the coaching aspect of this anymore. When you have a fake punt executed against you 
and they didn't come close to stopping it. And we talked to Michael Clay today, and he tried to pretend like they had come close to stopping it. And I, hmm, I'm getting bad vibes, frankly, Chris. I, it's, it's remarkable how many times this season they've had special teams plays go against them that could have turned the game around. You know, that was one. Uh, not only did the Cardinals end up scoring three points off of that in a three-point loss, but the Eagles didn't get the ball back. There was like a minute 48, I think, left when they were getting ready to punt there, and the Eagles have scored points in every final two minutes of every second half of every other game they played this season. 26 points, as a matter of fact, in those four games, and they didn't get the ball back because they let the up guy run seven yards on fourth and four. And, you, you know, I, I took a long look at that today. I uh, ran it back a bunch of times. I don't know what you saw, but it looked like to me that they, they schemed the alignment, that they saw the alignment that the Eagles use, and there's a big gap in the way they line up, uh, at least on this occasion, and I assume on other occasions, uh, there's uh, 58 Kyron Johnson, and then there's a big gap between him and Kayvon Wallace and Andre Shasher, uh before you get out to the gunner. Uh, and they went right for that gap with four blockers and just blew away the three Eagles there. And it was an easy seven yards, it looked like to me. And, and I just don't see how you can keep you know, you had a field goal blocked against Minnesota that if the punter and holder hadn't run down a, a corner who had scooped the ball up, uh, it would have been a, a touchdown that could have turned that game around. You've had muffs in other games and in Sunday's game that could have turned things around. You had Jordan Davis taking a 15-yard penalty to give Washington a first down at the Eagles 14. Uh, you know, you just can't – this has to stop. It really does. Uh, they're not that good that they can just drag their special teams around behind them and make up for every, you know, ridiculous, uh, huge error that uh, this unit makes. Yeah, you're right. And and, and the thing when I and I'm, I'm no special teams coach, and I'll never pretend that I am or that one because. Yeah, L1s, L2s, R1s. Yeah, they sound, they sound like vertebrae as opposed to stuff for me instead of like what they're running. But from looking at what I saw from that punt, they they look like they manipulated the way that the Eagles took their splits as well, too. You're right. There's a spacing. And they played around against that, and they just overloaded the side and just say, you know what? We're just going to rush this way, and look what happened. It blocked the kick. Now, they're going to have another issue coming up because it seems like when it comes to the pressure on the inside when it comes to it's the outside pressure on those punts they, they got they, or, or on those on that fake field goal that happens that way when it comes to them punting as well too they've had a lot of issues when it comes to getting pressure on the inside and when you look at what the Cowboys did last week Dorrance Armstrong blocked that punt from the inside of the area and when you look at miscues like that he's look at the issues, well, the issues that they've had in the middle getting that pressure on there we look at the block basically the them allowing a, a, a fake punt and getting first downs, you start to see this add up more and more. When you get to the good teams in this league, when you say, 
I don't know, maybe the Packers team turn things around, Titans or I don't know what. Well, you I think get the teams they're playing this week is a good team, you know, so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they have, and, and he knows very well. He knows Clay very well, and the fact that you have issues like this, they're going to exploit them. And that's what's the difference between potentially being a team that's fighting for a one or two seed to a team that's going to be a, a perennial wild card team. They have to find a way to shore this stuff up quickly because if not, just just imagine, you know, if if, if this offense had, I don't know. Average starting position around the 35, 40 yard line because he had a decent return. Think of how many more points, uh, points they could put on the board. It's crazy to think about that. The same, same thing with the defense. If they start to pin them back a little bit more, and, and, and that's the one thing I will give them this. I will give Michael Clay this. The coverage teams have been decent for the most part. When you look at the kickoff for part coverage, those te- those coverage teams have been pretty well pretty now. But when it comes to everything coverage, else. coverage, actually, I don't know if they – I can't remember now if they had one big return that skewed this since we're only talking about five games. But uh, they're 21st in uh, kickoff coverage. You know, they're, they're fifth in punt coverage. They do a real good job there. But – uh, their kickoff coverage average isn't great, really, and uh, neither the returns are, like you said, six and a half yards on uh, punts, which is 25th, although Britton Covey did get loose for a nice one uh, Sunday, and so maybe there's strides being made there. The, the kickoff returns are 31st, <laughs> 15 yards a return. I've never seen 15 yards a return. That's That's ludicrous. That's... You know, that's crazy. Um, you almost think they should just grab the ball and run back into the end zone with it and see if they can get it on the 25. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, I would kick short every time to these guys. Um, I just think something's got to happen. They've got to get some veterans on these units or shake up the coaching. Uh, something's got to change here or it's going to be a big problem. Well, I was about to ask you this: if if the same special teams remain the same way, like toward the bottom third of the league or, or in that overall units, are you replacing Michael Clay at the end of the season? Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> there's not any doubt in my mind, unless unless they really haven't given him, you know, unless they're privately thinking the veterans that we thought were going to be real good on this unit haven't been any good. Uh, the Zach Pascals and the Kayvon Wallaces and and the Sean Bradleys, but Sean Bradley is a very good special teams player. I know that, so I, I don't really think that's true. But it, unless you're going to say, okay, we didn't give him any good veteran players, and the rookies, you know, made a lot of mistakes, and it's not really his fault, you know, if that's what Howie Roseman thinks, then he won't be fired. But I can't imagine that that's going to be the way they see it. If, if this goes on the way it's going now. I hear you. I hear you. Well, they better hope to switch some things up coming up this Sunday when they face the Cowboys. And before we start to talk a little bit about this upcoming matchup, Les, you, you've covered this team for a while now. Do you have any standout memories of this Eagles-Cowboys rivalry? No, I do. Uh, it, it, at this stadium where we're going to be playing Sunday, my biggest memory is – the game that ended the 2008 regular season. And I wasn't expecting, you kind of asked me this and I, I didn't have it. I don't have it all in front of me right now. So I'm kind of going off the top of my head, but the Eagles were an incredible long shot to make the playoffs that year. They had to beat the Cowboys. And then like three other things had to happen, including uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
I guess he was the Dolphins quarterback, had to beat a much better team. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. Whoever Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing for, they were favored. And, uh, and anyway, th- th- there had to be a big upset among these games. Uh, and the Eagles had to beat the Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys came out incredibly flat. And they were going to miss the playoffs if they lost this game. It was very straightforward for them. And sure enough, they, I've forgotten the final score. It was like 38 to 6 or something like four, that. 44 six, 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 four, six, four, six, six games, games like that. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the most one sided games I've ever seen when both teams were actually trying to win. You know, uh, sometimes end of the season games, somebody has their their seeding already settled or something. But this wasn't like this. This was for the playoffs. And the Cowboys were just horrible. And the Eagles were really good. And, of course, the Eagles went on to make the NFC Championship game, losing in Arizona that year. But, uh, yeah, that's my most vivid memory. And we couldn't believe that all these other dominoes were falling. In addition to the Eagles blowing out the Cowboys, which – you know, was something nobody predicted of that team. It wasn't that dominant a team. Uh, all that other stuff happened that had to happen. I'm sorry I don't have the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing in front of me right now, but whatever it was, it happened. Maybe it was Jeff Garcia. Maybe I've got the wrong old quarterback. Who can say? <laughs> I'm old too. Maybe it was Wyatt Tittle. Who, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> How, how's that all Graham doing today? <laughs> I actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure it was Garcia because he had played for the Eagles. He was, he had gone somewhere else and was playing and he threw an interception. And then he came back to the Eagles like the next year as a backup. And we actually talked to him about it, about how he had helped get the Eagles into the playoffs inadvertently. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was Garcia. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm sorry for maligning your name there. I just didn't have any of this stuff, like I said, right in front of me. And it's been a long time. But uh, that's my most vivid memory from the link. Most vivid memory from Dallas is in the old stadium. Uh, it, it was a regular season game, night game. Donovan McNabb, you still see the highlight here and there. It was a signature Donovan McNabb play. He ran around for like 15 seconds, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then flung the ball down the field, and Freddie Mitchell caught it uh, for like a 40-yard gain and a big Eagles win there. Uh, And uh, I think the Daily News uh, back page headline was through the roof, you know, because they (laughs) had TNT Stadium or whatever it was back then, whatever the – the, the stadium they had then had the open roof, you know, the, the sliding roof, which was a big deal in those days. Um, Is that the one in Irving? Yeah, Irving. Irving. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I remember those. I remember also the Eagles lost a game there in Dallas. Uh, Dallas did an onside kick and uh, – no, I'm sorry. The Eagles did the onside kick and Dallas picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and I've never seen that, but I saw it that day. And Andy Reid was not pleased. <laughs> I got a man. That, that's, that was his calling card for so many days. And I mean, even going back to, I believe, what was it the, the pickle juice the game? Pickle juice that was game. so that many was, times. And I think this might have been uh, their retribution for the pickle juice game as the Eagles tried his <laughs> onside kick. And damn, if they didn't just pick it up and block a couple guys and off to the races, you know? <laughs> You know, I, I hope I get to see a memorable, good game now when it comes to covering this team because 
I mean, I, re- I remember when I was younger, you seeing all these games. I mean, we're seeing the, the Switzer calling fourth and one over or no or twice back to back games. But but as when it comes to covering this team, as you hear this wonderful uh, motorcycle side, when it comes to during the podcast. But it, the funny thing that uh, the, the thing I've seen the my thing is been I've gotten the Ben DiNucci's and the blowout. So I, I want to see at least an entertaining game at least when it comes between these two that will help. That's but a very what, good point, especially in re, in in relation to this game, because I don't think there's been a good Eagles Cowboys game recently. It, the, Dallas has been much the better team, uh, or the games have been meaningless at the end of the year, and backups have played. You know, uh, it's been a while since they really had a nice, uh, solid. You know, both teams played well. I think there was an overtime game one time in Dallas uh, not too many years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's for whatever reason, it just the, the rivalry to me just hasn't had that many memorable moments in probably the last five years, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's something that has to change because when you hear both of the, we see both these teams, they're actually good now. It's early, it's early enough where you got a good feel for what they're doing, even though you don't know if Dak Prescott or, or Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback, even though it looks Sound, looks and sounds like you guys will prepare for C. Cooper Rush heading into this Sunday night, but it, it, it's better. It's better for football when you see these two teams are actually good and, and, and competitive, especially with the rest of the NFC East. Absolutely. You That's what you want in a rivalry. It's not a rivalry if one team wins all the time or if the games aren't any good. You know, uh, the rivalry needs for both teams to be good. And uh, I think that's the case this year. I think they're both very good. I think they're probably two of the best five teams in the NFC. So, you know, I'm expecting a good game. Yeah, because otherwise it's just like playing Madden, like on the easy level. You know you're going to keep running up the score and beating maybe by 70-something. After a while, you get bored with it. So you need you, you need the ebb and flow, the yin to yang, it's, it's, it's more, as crazy as it sounds. Well, one person that the Eagles are going to have to account for during this game is going to be Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons. I had a chance to ask Nick Sirianni about Parsons and, and what he does for the Cowboys defense. Here's what he had to say about that. You do again. You're trying to put your players in the best positions to succeed, and you're not. And while you're doing that, you're trying not to allow their best players to wreck the game. Um, and so he'll he'll be accounted for every single play. That doesn't mean he's not going to make some plays here and there. He's he's a really outstanding, outstanding player. Um, I think we all know that the the league knows that he's proved he's proved it for the last year and a half. Um, so we need to do our jobs as coaches and put our guys in positions to right not only to be at their best but also to defeat their best right and and to contain their best and so um, he'll be thought about right I think somebody asked me a question uh, about this a long time ago is like hey did you and when Mike McCoy asked me did you guys think about Vaughn Miller today when we when Frank and I were with the Chargers and um, and uh, we were playing the Broncos. Like, hey, did you think about Von Miller today? And or did you think about Khalil Mack today when we were playing the Raiders? And I, and I can't remember which one it was, but I said nobody thought about him. His all everybody in his life didn't think about him as much as we thought about him today. And that's going to be the same way we roll this week. So, Les, we just heard that uh, Sirianni talk about Parsons. That Cowboys defense it, it prevent, presents its own different challenges in that one too, but. Offensively, you know, they have a couple of challenges as well, too, when it comes to, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup's back as well, too. But as it was mentioned earlier, we don't know who's going to play quarterback. And 
I didn't know. No, I know it's still early in the week, and we still have to digest a little bit what's going on there. What do you think about the way Rush is playing right now, as compared to Prescott? And if you were if you were in Dallas' shoes, would you put Prescott back into the lineup right now? Uh, good questions, there, Chris. Um, on the first one, I think uh, Jonathan Gannon had the best uh, word for for uh, what Rush has brought. He said efficiency. You know, he is he's not litting, he's not throwing eighty yard bombs or running around, and you know, he's not Kyler Murray. He's not uh, you know uh, Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But he's been very efficient. He hasn't made mistakes. And he's run the offense, and he's run it very, very productively. Uh, the other question as to whether you go back to – I mean, ultimately, of course, you go back to Prescott because he's the guy you're paying. Uh, and he's good. You know, I know he, he, there's always – when if they lose in the playoffs, there's always a debate about whether they, he's going to be good enough to, to get you where you need to go. I don't know if he is or not, but I know he's probably in the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL most of the time. And, you know, those guys are hard to find. So, you know, he's your quarterback. Would you send him back up against the Eagles this week? That's that's another question because he hasn't played since the opener. And, you know, even if he's physically okay, is he sharp? Is he going to be sharp, you know, not having played since the opener? This is going to be maybe the best team you play for a while, <laughs> you know, Maybe you kind of, you know, let him sit another week or something like that. I, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's looking too hard into it. You'd probably get some hard feelings from Dak Prescott if you did that because he, in his mind, it's his team, you know, and it is his team. But I would think about the fact that you're giving him a tough assignment, you know, coming off uh, such a long layoff. And it is a long layoff at this point, more than a month. Um but I got to think if he's ready, they're just not going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to say, you know, Dak, you know, just hang out here for a little while longer. I think he'll play if he's ready. Um, it's not clear that he's really going to be ready. So uh, I have no idea which guy we'll see. Um, I think in the long run, you know, it's going to be better for Dallas if Dak is healthy. But in the short run, Dak playing rusty this week might be better for the Eagles. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If I'm Jonathan Gannon, I'm hoping that you see Prescott's going to be announced the starter because it, you know, it takes about two, three series to finally get back into the flow of things because you wouldn't be seeing game speed action in a practice. And to all of a sudden come out on a national in a nationally televised game, all eyes are on you, and all of a sudden, you know players are going to be amped up after having to wait all day and in, in, in the play, and you're going to have that crowd around you. You don't want somebody who has to sit and think, well, I haven't seen the speed of this game yet in a while and try to catch up if you're from the Cowboys' sake. So I think if Gannon's going to really be hoping that Prescott's available. But the one thing I'm really looking at when it comes to this game is, is how the Eagles are able to stop that quick, short passing game that the Cowboys use a lot. And listen, Rush has been – Basically, his success has come in the middle of the field, and and especially between that that ten to fifteen yard range, the intermediate passing game. And so, this is going to be a game where you're going to have to rely on T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White, and hoping they 
are effective enough stopping the and playing their zones and stopping the passes in that area. And also you got to hope that they're able to contain not only Ezekiel Elliott, but in my opinion, the better core running back of the two, Tony Pollard, because he's able to catch the balls out the, out the backfield and he's run effectively. So listen, it, it, these, the Eagles, they, they've put a lot on the linebackers plates and they've relied on them a lot. This is going to be one of those weeks where they're going to be tested very, very much. So it's going to be interesting. And I'll, I'll end with, I'll say we'll end be, this. You definitely want Avante Maddox back for a team that throws over the middle a lot. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer right there. We'll, we'll end with these. It's just we're going to, you're going to see more of our predictions officially on paper, but if you had to lean one way, and, and, and those predictions come out, usually generally it's going to be on Friday this week. But if you had to say you're leaning one way right now, Les, for who's going to win this game, which way are you going? Ah. You know, the Eagles aren't going to go undefeated this year. I mean, they just aren't. They aren't the 72 Dolphins. And if you're looking at a game that, you know, is tempting to pick against them, this is the best one you're going to get for a while. I, But I can't make myself do it. I, You know, this might be the game. I mean, certainly Dallas is good enough to beat them. But I really think, I hope from their standpoint, that Sunday was a wake-up call and that they can't be that sloppy and that inconsistent and they're going to buckle down and, you know, they know this rivalry. They know what Dallas's record is. They know this is their best opponent. And, I, you know, if, they, if the Eagles play up to their capabilities, they'll win this game. And i got to think they're going to be closer to it than they were Sunday in Arizona. So I'm going to take the Eagles in a low scoring game. I'm going to say 1917 Eagles. Wow. Nice. I wonder if the score got me there. <laughs> I don't want to get there and there, but the, the way I'm looking at this game right now, I, I mean, they haven't beaten the Cowboys in three straight weeks. And you know, for, since I said that now, Nick Sirianni is going to be upset because he said each individual game is, is different. And he made sure to make a point of that when we talked to him on Monday. But I think in the backs of some of these guys that have been around here, I think I wonder if they're going to come too amped up to begin with and, and they get uncharacteristically starting to play out of position and, and start opening gaps and stuff. I, I wonder if that is going to be crazy. But if I had to lean right now, I'm leaning Eagles, but it's it's probably about 55%. If I had to say 100%, I'm like 55% Eagles right now just because of, of everything, division game and everything. But I thought they were split this year, so this could be the game they win and then lose down there in, in, in Arlington. You know, I never, you might very well be right about guys getting hyped up. My thought, you know, we're going to spend the whole week in the locker room watching TV, sports people, ask players, are you fired up for Dallas? You know, because that's the fans' take. But most of these players haven't been here very long. A lot of them are from Texas. They don't hate the Cowboys. They didn't grow up hating the Cowboys. To them, yeah, they're playing a good team. You know, um, you just don't have some of the older guys get into that uh, rah rah, you know, because they know the fans eat it up. But they don't care that much about that it's the Cowboys. You know, I, I just I think if they are overhyped, it'll be because it's a home game and the crowd's going to be nuts and you know. There'll be a lot of it's it's nationally televised and, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of a big spotlight on them. But I just don't think the rivalry stuff is is ever a big deal to these guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I'll throw this one. In. I'll throw this. Last, this is really the last question. I'll throw this one in here, too. 
What's the bigger rivalry, Cowboys or Giants? Well, it used to be the Giants. In fact, I used to write about that when I worked for the Daily News because that back when the Giants were winning Super Bowls, you know, every every several years, uh, you know, ten years ago, uh, the Giants. There was no question they were the better team year in and year out. And to the players of that era, they definitely would rather have beaten the Giants, you know, because that would have been a better win. The the Cowboys were flailing around and. You know, uh, just weren't that good most years. Some years they were pretty good, but most years they weren't. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it's only been, you know, the Giants obviously have had a horrible decade and that's kind of faded quite a bit. But, uh, you know, I, I think Dallas is the team in the division for these guys, not because they grew up hating Dallas, but because it's been the better team in the division for several years. And Washington and, and New York haven't been anything to write home about that whole time. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's only so many times you can go Quincy Carter and go like, oh, let's try to get up and try to play Quincy Carter. And at least, yeah, you're right. Remember, remember those Seahorn games? You had the, the you had Kerry Collins and, and the rest of that, the Shockey and everything else. So, yeah, those were some fun and you had all those amazing Eagles. Eagles finishes, you know, the Deshaun Jackson punt return, the Brian Westbrook punt return. You had the game where McNabb, uh, you know, at the end was run out of bounds and, and picked up the phone on the Giants' sideline, you know, like he was <laughs> ordering them some help, you know. Uh, you know, it was just uh, – there were a lot of – a lot of moments that left Giants fans real salty, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, not so much the case. You know, there hasn't been much of a rivalry lately. Well, we're going to have all the coverage this week leading up to it. As Melissa mentioned, we're going to be in the locker rooms. Be talking to a few people as well, too, about this upcoming big, big upcoming game against the Cowboys. Remember, you can read all that stuff on NJ.com slash Eagles, or you can reach out through us via Eagles Extra. But for Les Bowen, I'm Chris Franklin. Everybody have a good one.